Hey, Polly. <laughs> hey, Greg, how are you? <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> another day, another podcast. I'll say. I wonder what number this is. This is probably like, we should probably keep order. We should. This is like number, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say 12. Oh, that's what I was going to guess. Really? Oh, Bridget shaking her head. Uh, the producer speaks episode 13. Episode 13. Carolyn James. Carolyn James of Kodak, which I really want to know what it stands for. Yep. So, you know, that's definitely going to be a question I'm going to ask. I see it. I think there's C.O.D.A.C. Full disclosure, when I first moved here, when I first moved to Rhode Island and people were talking about Kodak, I was like, I thought that they went out of business a long time ago because I was thinking the film. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Completely different Kodak. Completely. Yep. Completely different Kodak. Yeah, no, I don't know what it stands for. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Um, yep, she's got, Carolyn James has many titles. Mm-hmm. I think she might have a scroll for a business card. Maybe. 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 She's got, um, got them written down because it's quite a lot. Community Outreach Coordinator. Mm-hmm. Prevention Liaison. I think that's how we know her. She comes to our meetings. Yes, that's good. Mm-hmm. We need that. And Tobacco Cessation Program Coordinator. I cannot say that word. It always comes out sensation or successation. <laughs> I can never just say the word without a few tries. Yeah, that's all right. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That's great. Now, cessation is is smoking, right? It's the the quitting of smoking. The quitting of smoking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I know those programs are are huge. So I mean, the nicotine, the addiction to nicotine. That's a it's a big thing. It's a very hard thing to quit. Isn't it the most addictive thing, nicotine? I think so. I've read that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see what she has to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. About their programs. Me as well. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Totally Preventable. We're here today with Carolyn James, who works for Kodak. And her titles are Community Outreach Coordinator, prevention liaison which we love and tobacco cessation program coordinator hi carolyn welcome hello polly hello greg hey how are you fine how are you i'm pretty good all right to start us off could you tell us um a little bit about kodak for someone that doesn't know what kodak is could you give us an up absolutely can i just interject at the beginning here that i started my career in prevention sure Uh, Kodak brought me in to manage a prevention grant about 15 years ago, and I'm still there today, and that's hence I'm the prevention coordinator, and um, I'm very happy to be sitting on the Newport County Coalition, uh, Regional Prevention Coalition. So that's my two cents. Um, Kodak is celebrating 50 year, its 50-year anniversary. Whoa. Two years ago, but because of COVID, we're celebrating it now. And we started in a one-room storefront in Cranston, Rhode Island in 1970. And just over the years, responding to need, we've grown. We're now in seven locations across the state. Um, We're also the oldest and the largest and the only nonprofit provider of opioid treatment services in Rhode Island. Um, We also offer programs for other addictions, for um, behavioral health concerns, usually only for our patients with um, with substance use disorder. Uh, We have um, a a holistic whole person approach to treatment, however, and so we offer a lot of programs 
for our patients that you might not ordinarily find in an opioid treatment program. I did not know that, that you were the only organization that had opioid treatment services. Yes. Wow. Oh, you know that's what I did? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know that that, I did not. I did not. Wow. But if you can please describe, I hear it, you, know, you mentioned that you had, and we announced that you had a few different roles. Can you describe your role at Kodak? Sure. Um, I think I started to tell you before that my role at Kodak is unlike anything anyone else at Kodak does. Most of the people there are clinicians or medical people or in the administrative department. I'm one of the people who goes out into the community um, and establishes relationships with communities and people within communities. I think I sit at any given time on about 20 different task forces, boards, um, coalitions, and um, just make sure that Kodak has a seat at the table. I let people know that we're eager to be engaged in the issues that people are confronting in their communities, particularly with the prevention coalition, since we're trying hard to collaborate with prevention and recovery um, communities. And um, I also work a little bit with legislative affairs, um, particularly with our um, federal delegation. So I, I serve as a liaison to the offices of our senators and two representatives. And I am also the tobacco cessation program coordinator, which means different things at different times. Um, right now, our program is a little is kind of in limbo because we um, are unable to get sufficient reimbursement from insurance companies to provide services. So the only program we have in place right now is for our health home patients, which is really a Medicaid program. And we can roll the tobacco treatment into a bundled rate we have with them. But we can't, it, we, we can't even cover our expenses with what insurers are offering us. So there's a movement uh, afoot in the state legislature. We're going for parity for mental health and substance use disorder uh, treat, uh, payments from insurers, and hopefully that will go through. It'll take a while. So we're working on other solutions, but um, we also do tobacco treatment specialist trainings, and we do quite a lot of them. We've been authorized by UMass Medical School to, um, to offer their curriculum which we've adapted slightly um, with their approval. And we train anywhere from three to 10 individuals at a time, and they emerge as tobacco treatment specialists. And um, it, at, their, at their prerogative, they can pursue national certification and become a, a certified tobacco treatment specialist. But um, I'm not the person who teaches those classes, but I'm the one who organizes and outreaches and makes sure that things go the way they're supposed to. I also interface with the state a lot with the DOH and BHGBH to um, bring contracts into Kodak and to oversee those contracts once they're in place. So right, the segue there was that we have two tobacco contracts right now with um, the Department of Health. So it's fun, it's fun, it's exciting, and it's a lot of different hats. So that sounds like it would make it fun. You know, always something different going on. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think I'll be surprised at the, your answer to this question, but um, at Kodak, have you seen an increase in mental health needs since the pandemic? We've we been asking, have. yeah, we've been asking this question to everyone from um, nutritionalists to police and everyone seems to have the same answer, so. You will not be surprised to hear, yes, absolutely. Um, so we're seeing it both on the mental health side and the substance use disorder side and the, um, problem is, and we've 
fortunately been able to expand to meet the need, but even so we're kind of bursting at the seams in terms of how many people our facilities can handle. And the other side of this is that a lot of people did not come back into the workforce after COVID and we find it hard to staff some of our programs. Um, we have a lot of people who are working really hard right now to bridge the gap and, and doing things they might not have done otherwise so that we can provide necessary services. But it's been a real challenge. And um, you know, I, I mentioned that we provide mental health services for our patients with substance use disorders. And it's, um, we're trying to hire from two different pools, clinicians, medical people, and there just aren't many candidates out there. So as I said, we're doing everything we can to meet the need. And we actually opened a new facility during the middle of this. So we're, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we have. Now you're, you're, like you just said, you're doing the best you can with what you have. And there's a lot of people who are in need and you're saying that your, you know, your, your staff numbers aren't where they need to be. How do you take care of your mental health to make sure that, you know, you're, you're fine enough to be helping others? You know, how do you? Me personally, um, I like to garden. And so fortunately gardening season just started. I'm not great at it, but I just like to get out there and get my hands in the soil and watch things grow. So that's been good for me. And um, I like to read and I am a news junkie. So I, maybe junkie's not important. <laughs> 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 I'm a news fanatic. Um, and I spend a lot of time watching the news, but lately that hasn't been good for myself for self care. So mm. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm trying to find other other ways to divert myself. So yeah, so you you are a proponent for or a strong advocate for self care, especially yes. in this field. Yes, and for, and for everyone who works at Kodak and other agencies like Kodak, actually anyone who does the work we do, it's so important. If you somebody compare taking care of yourself to being like putting on your mask, your oxygen mask first, if you're on a plane, you can't help someone else if you're not in a position to, uh, if you're not helped, if you're not in a position um, of strength. So, yeah, I'm just um, always fascinated in in trying to learn you know, more ways of self-care and how people who, who deal in the nonprofit world at, at certain organizations such as Kodak, you know, you, you see so much and you're confronted with so much. It's so hard not to take things home with you. So yeah. I, I always look for, look for those inspiring stories of how people manage that. And that's great. Fortunately for, or not, for me, I don't have a lot of direct patient contact. So I don't see the worst of it. Our clinicians and our medical mm -hmm. staff do. But, you know, I'm out there all day listening to the issues that communities and individuals are dealing with. And that's that's where the gardening helps. And yeah. Really helps. So, yeah. Wow. Now, you, you said that um, you just opened a, a new facility. Is Kodak located throughout all of Rhode Island or is it just? Pretty much throughout the state. We don't have a big presence in northern Rhode Island right now, but um, we, have a, we have sites in Providence. I'm going to make sure I don't miss anything here. In Cranston. Pawtucket, Warwick, Newport, South County, and East Bay right now. And um, I have some exciting news if I can share it. Sure. Absolutely. Kodak, <laughs> that Kodak owns currently. You, you guys are the first members of the public that I've told, that I've talked to about this, but um, we the only facility we currently own is our Providence site. And it's, we've been bursting at the seams for quite a while. We've turned closet space into office space. We've turned staff kitchens into office space and <laughs> just completely outgrown 
our facility. So we just closed on a building, a big building in Providence near Branch Avenue. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. site. We don't even need to do a lot of build out or renovation and we're hoping to be open in probably fall in the fall, September or October. Um, we'll be wow. able to introduce a lot of new programs. We'll be moving our corporate offices, which are currently in Cranston to this facility. But this will just allow us to serve a lot more people and to provide our staff and our patients with a more respectful environment. You know, it's just, it's, it's so overcrowded in Providence. It's just, makes it sort of overwhelming for everyone. So this is big news and wow. congratulations. Very congrats, exciting. Congrats. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted on that. Okay. <laughs> it's a callback. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've heard a little bit about your mobile treatment unit. Is that the name? Am I getting the name right? Um, mobile medical unit is what? Okay. Me it, but yeah. Medical. Okay, mobile medical unit. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about it, where it goes, what happens inside? Yes, absolutely. So we got a contract from BHGBH, the Department of Behavioral Health um, Hospital, Developmental Dis Disabilities and Hospitals, too many acronyms. In it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> to provide treatment from a mobile vehicle back in probably the beginning of 2000, 2021, and the vehicle was promptly um, confiscated for use in the COVID uh, in the COVID crisis. So we lost our our van, and you may have heard me talk about our pop up clinics, which we did as an alternative for a while. So we were taking services to hard to reach sites with high levels of risk for opioid overdose. We would look at maps that that show hot spots for those kinds of things, and we had some clinics going. We're um, happy to announce that Kodak got a, um, it's actually an endowment, not a grant, from um, an organization that allowed us to purchase our own medical mobile unit. So we're back to the original terms of the contract, which involve bringing treatment when and where it's needed. Um, and we've been working, it, we've just been staffing up. And as I mentioned, staffing is a challenge, but we're finally in a position to sort of go full throttle. And we had been have been working primarily in the Providence Pawtucket area, but we're hoping to expand our footprint. What we do out of the mobile medical unit is provide, um, depending on our location, we provide treatment for opioid use disorder. We provide clinical counseling and assessments. We offer some basic health and wellness programs. We do um, blood pressure tests, we do blood sugar level tests. We're gonna start doing, and as the tobacco coordinator, I'm very happy about this. We're gonna start doing uh, lung age testing, which is just what it sounds like. If they're smokers, very often their lung age is much higher than their chronological age. And hopefully the idea is to give them a little bit, to disconcert them a little and allow us an opportunity to refer them to treatment. So we do things like that. Um, just trying to think what other services we're offering currently. Um, well, I'll tell you what we're going to be doing, and this is also new and exciting news. So you guys are getting oh, a lot of <laughs> Just yesterday, we got our approval from the DEA to open a satellite opioid treatment program out of the mobile medical unit, and we'll be doing that at Community Care Alliance in Woodsocket. So that means that people can come to the mobile medical unit and receive services there. They can either come in and be stabilized or detoxed stabilized on medication or detox and then referred to treatment elsewhere. But if they prefer to at that particular location, which is the only place we've been approved to provide all three 
uh, medications used for the treatment of substance use, of opioid use disorder. Um, but they can receive their treatment right there out of the mobile medical unit. And the, the, the unit can move a little bit from place to place, you know, within a geographical area. So, so we've been working um, at the Providence Public Housing Authority. We've been going to their properties a couple times, three times a month. We've been going out to the Pawtucket Housing Authority two times a month. We've been working with Project Weber Renew. We go out with them um, a couple of times a week. And um, we, in one case, we park in front of their office that's in Pawtucket and um, in Providence, we go out with them as they do their street outreach. And it's been a great partnership. They're doing great work. And um, what else? I think that's pretty much where we are now. Things are gonna change once we start become fully operational at, at Community Care Alliance as a satellite clinic. We'll be there five days a week in the morning. So things will get shuffled around a little bit. But I know you're probably gonna ask me about scheduling and, and where, what days the van goes where. Um, so um, right now, as I told you, we're kind of breaking up the week and going to different places. We will be at Community Care Alliance, as I mentioned, five days a week, um, probably within the next few weeks. And people can look at our schedule and find out where we'll be by going to our website, um, www.kodakinc.org. And there is a schedule that's easily accessible. And I think Polly knows this as well as anyone. We, we, can't, we have the capacity to go to uh, public events, single shot um, events. And we've, been, we've taken the unit to um, drug uh, to National Drug Take Back Day, and we're hoping to go to events in the future like the Kent County. Is it Washington County Fair? Yeah, Washington County Fair. Washington yeah. County Fair. Um, basically, to show off the vehicle, just to let people know it's there, that it's operational, and to let them know what kinds of resources we offer, and to hopefully we'll have schedules available that we can hand out. Um, and then we provide services at the scheduled locations. And those, as I said, can be found on our website. Now, is everyone in association with the um, with the mobile medical unit trained? So even like if you go to someplace just to show off, if if um, the opportunity presents itself, can help me render. Absolutely, and and, and that has actually happened. Um, we've had made referrals. We've done quick intakes and um, referrals for treatment. We don't provide the treatment for substance use disorder directly out of the vehicle yet, but we'll be able to provide buprenorphine and Vivitrol off the vehicle um, at, at all our locations pretty soon. So that's, that's our goal. But right now we can get people to treatment. We can work with BH Link and arrange for someone to be picked up and given a bed until um, they can be referred to treatment. So, um, it's a pretty good system. We're getting an increasing amount of activity and the vehicle, and I keep calling it a van, but it's really like a big RV. The vehicle mm. is really noticeable. So when it's parked somewhere, it does attract people. And we've had people come over and say, oh, I used to be a Kodak patient. I stopped going, I want to start again, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's going to be a huge success. And we're already talking about trying to get another one so we can really spread out across the state, thinking about Newport County and South County and areas we're not working in currently. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like this is with the mobile medical unit now that you're meeting a lot of patients where they're at? A lot of people may, you know, have difficulties getting to Kodak, even though you're in multiple areas. 
Absolutely. And that's kind of the point of this project is to reach people um, who ordinarily don't have access for transportation reasons, for health reasons, um, for financial reasons involved with getting with finding transportation. So um, that's the purpose. And you used a phrase, what was it? Oh, meeting people where they're at, which was mm -hmm. one of our catchphrases for the yeah. local <laughs> units. So yes, we actually <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do. And as I said, we look at maps with hotspots. Uh, we, we've looked at them in Providence and in Pawtucket, and we try to focus our, our services or our presence on areas that really need services. So um, we also do, you'll be happy to know, some prevention work out of the vehicle. Um, <laughs> we basically provide information, um, and we do, we do do some harm reduction, which may or may not be considered prevention, but we do offer Narcan and Narcan trainings. We will be offering um, fentanyl testing strips, and we do have a lot of print literature and other uh, resources that just talk about prevention and the different aspects of prevention. So, and if I'm there, I'm talking about prevention the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you for that. I do consider harm reduction prevention. I don't know if everyone does, but I do, so. Yeah. Good. yeah, I do too. I mean, it's preventing an overdose, which is what this is all about. Right. Ground up. Yeah. Right. Um, so years ago, there was a mobile medical unit that Rebecca and I toured in the parking lot of the Little Compton Safety Complex. Was, was that Kodak? I believe if it's the one on, Kodak was involved with another mobile medical unit. URI had a grant, they had a van. Yep. They, they subcontracted with Kodak to provide services off the van. But okay. once again, as we think sat up and running, COVID hit. Yes. So it was repurposed and that kind of. So you know, I was gonna say, um, we were excited for the van. I think it was supposed to come um, again, not a van, but <laughs> to come to, a van, I always <laughs> to come to Little Compton. So like we're not considered a, a hot spot for opioid use, but we do have a lot of um, community members that can't drive or don't drive or don't leave right. town. So it was going to be a nice um, a nice perk for maybe older people or people without um, ways to travel to get their blood pressure checked, to get some basic um, medical checkup. And to get information about medications because the elderly population tend to have a lot of prescriptions and they don't necessarily um, keep track of their dosage. And there's been a lot of, um, not so much overdosing, but uh, problems with, uh, with substance use disorder among the elderly. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. So I'm not trying to enter into a contract between the town of Little Compton and Kodak or anything, but um, is does, is that a possibility to maybe um, go to some more rural towns just to do some preventative outreach as opposed to um, um, risk management and more hotspot kind of areas? Um, I don't want to necessarily speak for Kodak because plans change at a moment's yep. notice, but that was the original intention of the vehicle, was to go to more remote rural areas. Um, not that Little Compton is rural, I lived there for a while. But, <laughs> um, but that was the, the original intent. When we started doing the pop-up clinics, that kind of derailed that whole um, 
program, that whole plan, because it was too hard for us to take services on a, you know, out to remote areas. Mm -hmm. So we started working in Providence and Pawtucket, and it's only been recently that we've had our own vehicle, and um, we haven't regrouped since then. So yes, in theory, absolutely in theory, um, but it may take a little time. And um, like I said, I don't want to speak for Kodak leadership, but no. I know there's a commitment. That, as I said, that was the original idea. A possibility is more grants roll, roll in. Right. <laughs> So, Carolyn, you, you talked, um, in, even in your title, you, you mentioned cessation plan. Can you tell us a little bit about that? About our cessation program? Yes, please. We have, um, Kodak has two trained trainers of trainers um, at our facilities who do the trainings for us. Um, and they generally involve eight sessions because that's what most insurance plans cover and what Medicaid covers. Eight group sessions of an hour each or 16 of half an hour. We um, provide medication assisted treatment. So, which is, uh, so, well, it is medication assisted treatment, but what I meant to say was um, nicotine replacement therapy. We have prescribers on site so we can, we our tobacco treatment specialists are um, trained in how to, find the right combination of therapies for patients. So at the same time that they're receiving clinical treatment, usually in groups, but not always, um, and it's actually their preference, which way they do it. Uh, we're also providing medication, which is the evidence-based approach to cessation. So it's, it's been determined that providing treatment on a clinical level and with medication is by far the most successful path to long-term cessation. Mm. So um, I do wanna mention, that Kodak was the first uh, agency or organization in the country to provide tobacco treatment services for co-occurring patients. And what that means is we provided cessation services for our patients with substance use disorder and mental health problems. And people for a long time have been saying, they've got too much to, on their plate, they've got all of their health related issues, they've got their substance use issues, don't even bother. But it actually proved to be incredible successful this this model program we had much higher rates of compliance and long-term quit success than than the general population so uh, we ran that program on a small grant from the Department of Health and it went away for a while when the grant funding went away um, but we this is now a new modality across the country and we kind of were the first to to state that we think it makes sense for patients to work on all of their addictions simultaneously so we have some other firsts I can tell you about if you want to. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Kodak was the first organization um, in the state to receive um, to, uh, Center of Excellence certification. So all seven of our sites were named Centers of Excellence, and for a while we were the only ones who were able to provide certain services, um, including treatment with all three um, FDA-approved medications, methadone, buprenorphine, and Vivitrol. Um, we were the first, let's see, I'm looking at this. We were the first, um, we were the first program in Rhode Island to be designated as a health home. So with that, that's a Medicaid funded program that does a lot of case, provides a lot of case management and coordination of care. And that is why we can offer services like tobacco cessation for our, for Medicaid patients or our health home patients. Uh, we've been expanding some of the services to other patients since we're, we have a bundled rate and to the extent that we can, we 
we provide services for as many people as we can under that model. But um, so now there are health homes all over the country, but we were, we were the first one in Rhode Island. Um, we were also the first agency or provider of substance use treatment for substance use disorder in the country to become a tobacco-free agency in accordance with state and federal regulations. So kind of we're yeah, a leader in that. Our president, CEO, Linda Hurley, is very visionary. She has, as long as I've known her, it's been about 15 years. She's always been very forward thinking. She's always had a very holistic way of looking at substance use disorder and mental health issues. And she really believes in the whole person treat, uh, approach to wellness. So one of the reasons we did tobacco treatment for so long at a loss um, until we couldn't anymore, was because she feels that we have an ethical responsibility to provide services to people who need them when it's within you know, our, our realm of, of, of possibility, when we have the capacity. So basically when I called NRT before MAT, MAT is a medication-assisted treatment. NRT are, are, um, nicotine, is nicotine replacement therapy, and basically it's nicotine replacement therapy is MAT. And we provide a combination of MAT and clinical services for our opioid patients. And Linda thought, well, why can't we do the same thing with tobacco cessation? And so we did. Um, and we're hoping to be running full steam with that program again soon. But um, we were also the first, uh, let's first one among the first treatment programs in the US in the US to adopt a, an agency-wide culture of motivational interviewing. So we now have a um, training program in, in motivation, motivational interviewing. We not only train internally, our own staff, but we train for other agencies. And um, some of them are, are implementing motivational um, interviewing approaches from the administrative level up. And some of them are working primarily with their clinicians and medical providers. Um, but it's, a, a, it's a, an important approach, clinical approach to treatment. And it's becoming very popular. And um, we've been sort of a pioneer in that. We, we did the first model program actually through the ATTC, the Northeast ATTC, um, probably about 12 years now in motivational interviewing for, for substance use disorder patients. So, and we're also, I guess I, I can say this is a kind of, it's not a first, but it's worth noting that we are also um, an early adopter of community-based health care. About two years ago, we partnered with other organizations um, to provide something that's similar to the community, certified community-based mental health centers that are now being supported by the federal government. So we partnered with Newport Mental Health with Community Care Alliance, with Thrive Behavioral Health, with Galilee Mission, with Tide Family Serv uh, Services, uh, with Child and Family, and um, as a group, we call ourselves uh, Horizon Healthcare Partners. And we all share a network of referral systems and, um, and case management so that our patients can receive within the, the boundaries of our specialties can receive the care they need. And uh, we're hoping to bring more primary care into the group as well. So um, like, as I said, uh, Linda Hurley, our CEO has really always supported a whole person approach. And this is part of that, that vision. 
Nice. It's wow. a lot of firsts. Look at that. We got history. We got exclusives. Now this <laughs> is what podcasts are all about. We're going to come up with a, our list of firsts. Yeah, Man, exactly. wow. Oh, amazing. This is a big one. I can't believe I forgot it. Okay. We were the first agency in the country to provide medication-assisted treatment for people with opioid use disorder who are incarcerated. Whoa. So formerly, oh. people who were in jail had to be detoxed. Yep. They would serve their sentence without access, at least theoretically, to, mm-hmm. to opioids. And then they'd go back out into the world not having had any treatment, and they'd revert, you know, the triggers would kick in, and they'd revert right back to their to the behavior that landed them in jail in the first place. So we have a program in place. Um, we provide all three medic, uh, medications that I mentioned before for, for the treatment of opioid use disorder. And uh, we are working in the ACI. We're working in the Hamden County, um, the Ludlow Jail in Hamden County, Massachusetts. Another newsflash for you. Um, we were, I had talked about how we were the first to pioneer this program. We're among the first, probably the first outside contractor to be providing these services in a federal prison. So we'll be starting work at Wyatt Detention Center in the next few, I probably within the next month. And um, we're hoping things go well and that this serves as an example for the rest of the country. Our program, our initial program at the ACI was called a model for national services by the Obama administration. And um, we're hoping to get a call out, a shout out for this program as well. So um, it's exciting, lots going on. Yeah. Lots going on. We picked the right day. Yes. All the scoops. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Carolyn, do you offer any services for youth under 18? Um, not really. We um, partner with agencies that do provide services for youth. Okay. So um, we work very closely with Newport Mental Health. They have a program for youth. Um, yep. And we do sometimes, our, theoretically, we work with patients between eight, over 18, but we can take patients who are 16 and over. Um, we work with youth in family, in a family context as well, but no direct services right now. Although that's also a goal. Um, With the, with the cessation program, I, I struggle saying that word, cessation. (laughs) Especially since I pointed it out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, of course that, that deals with tobacco smoking. Does that include vaping or no? Well, yes, to the extent that there are viable evidence-based programs for vaping. Mm -hmm. Um, We use some of the same strategies, but usually with vaping, the level of nicotine that is consumed is much higher, and so people are more addicted. So even the NRT that we prescribe are not necessarily um, appropriate, but we do teach the disciplines and um, work on the clinical aspects of it. There are some good online programs that we refer people to. I believe that the state quit line, the Rhode Island quit line, and we refer anybody we can't treat to the quit line right now, um, Mm. uh, has a sort of a specialized program for people with, uh, people who are vaping. But it's a big problem and it's it's during COVID, it became more of a problem and to figure something out because we have over a million youth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we're we're vaping currently. So yeah. So we're waiting and watching and waiting and hoping to have a discrete separate program for, for vaping. Okay. In the near future. Nice. Um 
you've given us so much knowledge. Exactly. It's more than you can say. <laughs> I don't know what my time limit is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been great. I've learned so much about Kodak that opened my eyes to a lot in the exclusives. But for organizations looking to collaborate, you've mentioned, you know, a lot of different partnerships that you've had um, that Kodak has. Um, can you give us contact information for anyone looking to reach out to possibly start a um, collaboration or maybe even just have services? Sure. Um, they can reach out through our website, which I um, gave the address for before earlier. And that's kodakinc.org. They can contact me. And I'm uh, my my email address is C as in cat James, like the man's name, at Kodak C O D A C Inc. Inc. org. So it's C James at Kodak Inc.org. And my phone number, which is the work number, is 401-559-2142. 559-2142. And we they can also call our central office um, location, which is in Cranston currently. We'll be moving to Providence. And that number is if people, I hope people have their pens ready. <laughs> 401-275-5039, 275-5039. And that's our corporate office. And um, they can certainly talk to anyone who's interested in partnering. I have one last question for you. I'm a, I'm a huge acronym person. Acronyms, you know, I, there's usually an acronym and every meeting I'm in that I hear, and I'm like, oh, that one's going to stick with me. Is Kodak an acronym? It used to be. Good question. We get that question all the time. We used to be associated with a Kodak, an organization named Kodak in Arizona, but we first started in 1970. Mm. Um, and they, I don't remember exactly what that acronym stood for, but it had to do with um, commu community organized for Kodak for um, drug and drug and alcohol control community organized for drug and alcohol control. And we don't like the word control. So that was one objection that we had. And then we moved well beyond the partnership or the collaboration that we had with them. But at that point we had enough name recognition that we didn't want to change the name. So we ran contests and asked people to come up with a new, with a new title for Kodak that matched the acronym. And we never got anything we thought was workable. So <laughs> just Kodak. Yeah, Sounds right. like a challenge. Prize, an incentive to get something good. But yeah, so we're Kodak, C-O-D-A-C. That's right. it. Awesome. Um, Carolyn, thank you for all this information. I feel like we have some trivia, some history. We got a little bit of everything a today. Everything. <laughs> you guys are easy to talk to, I have to say. Thank you. We talk all day. <laughs> and Polly, I will get that mobile medical unit to something in Little Compton or Chiverton, even if it's a special event. We'll do it, I promise. All right, you're on tape. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carol. Another exclusive. Oh, thank you, guys. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.